You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode forty-six. Uh, I'm John. I'm joined by John. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Ah, uh, yeah, doing all right. Aye. Enjoy tropical open. weather at the weekend. Tropical? I don't know about tropical. <laughs> uh, but I, it was, it was all right. Aye. For, for as far as we can get, going out the back, I go on a, a wee run. Uh, aye, it was all right. What about yourself? Yeah, it was good. Um, just got the paddling pull out for. I, I want to see the wee man. He went in for like one second and said it was too cold, but I thought it was great for my feet. Don't kid us on. You were in there with a beach ball and all sorts. Ah, I forgot the beach ball. Forget the beach ball. We've, we've got a flyaway football in the back garden. Does that count? Well, you can do the back onside challenge then. I, I don't know how that'll <laughs> work. Flyaway. If Adam Rooney's hitting his on top of um, garage roofs, I don't know how I'll get on with a flyaway. I think it might as well be out in the, the street. Well, he he <laughs> said he was going to try and use a flatter ball, I think, to try and do it, but I will see. It's been interesting anyway. Um, but I were lucky enough to get another guest on this week because obviously, in terms of the football inside of things, there's no much happening. Um, so we are joined by it's Falkirk, Breakin, Kilmarnock, um, and mainly Clyde Bank striker Kennedy. How you doing, Ken? Good afternoon. <laughs> well, it's afternoon here, I guess. <laughs> Five hours behind, so... Yeah, you're getting better weather than certainly what we will be because you're in Florida. That's right, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's about 80 today, just with a slight breeze. <laughs> just came inside to get a bit of respite. But it's certainly... Certainly helps when you put the kids off school and you've got plenty to do in the garden with them. So yeah, it's good. Aye, right, so John was talking about being in the paddling pool, but I believe you've got the luxury of a an actual pool. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not getting me in it. It's too cool for me, but the kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it till August. <laughs> yeah, no, it keeps them it keeps them busy. They're never out of it, so yeah, it's good. What bit of Florida is it you're actually in? We're in a, a town called Port St. Lucie. Um, if you look at the map, it's a, like halfway between Orlando and Miami. Um, the nearest sort of well-known place to it is West Palm Beach, which is about 35 minutes away. So um, you're only an hour and a half up to Orlando or an hour and a half down to Miami if you want to go north or south. Nice way in between. Um, I hope you're not drinking Dettol tonight. No, I'm not injecting yet. Yeah. Oh, don't get me going on that. I could write a book. <laughs> I sit, I sit down at six o'clock for these press briefings every night, and I just, I just laugh. <laughs> the guy's lost that he's a clown. Ah, <laughs> uh, we get him every day here at five o'clock as well. I, I'm sick of watching him. It's only, I only ever watch I think something actually. Oh, do you, do you get your? What's going to happen? Yeah. Five o'clock, I daily update. At first, it was interesting. You were like, "Aye, let's tune in, yeah, see what's yeah. happening." And then it was just the same old every day. You just get fed up with it. But then Scotland's get one at it's usually about one o'clock, isn't it, John? And yeah, I think so. That's usually better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't know, you can't believe any of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah. how do you know? How do you know a politician's lying? Yeah. 
they opened their mouth. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, we've, uh, I mean, I just don't understand some people. But as I said, I mean, this is our sixth week um, that we've been sort of grounded in the house. Um, or my mother and father-in-law stay just like one street away. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law stay one street away. But we never, we never even risk it because my brother-in-law, he's a, he's a traffic cop and he's out and about all the time. So I mean. He could pick up something very, very easily and spread it. So we just, we just go on and do it. And this is why I don't understand that all these, these uh, relaxing, you know, the laws in certain states. This one, uh, hopefully at the moment, is said that it's too early to come back. So we'll probably be maybe mid-May, third week in May before we actually start relaxing a little bit. Uh, I take uh, it if they're doing things like that, they're not allowing folk to travel from state to state if they're going yeah. to lots of in some no, places yeah. already well we had a mass exodus um, at the very start of it because you know you know New York is obviously the worst state affected and what we get down here in Florida is we get they call them snowbirds they've got they've got homes both in New York and, and, and Florida they come here in the winter because the climate is great and then they go home but the the, the I-95, which is the main drag, and the turnpike, which is another one's the main drag, they were absolutely mobbed a few weeks ago because, and they all had New York plates on because they wanted to come in here, and I just found it ridiculous that they were letting people come. Yeah. Um, so this is why, you know, the Florida um, death toll has slowly risen in the last few weeks because, and I'll put it down to a lot, of, a lot of elderly are down this way as well, though. Uh, a lot of them come down here to retire because of the climate. But, uh it's, you know, I don't know. It's just so much, so many states want to do this, want to do that. I mean, there's this clown over in Georgia. He's he's open bowling alleys and um, nail salons and hairdressers and barbers and all this sort of stuff. And I mean, I mean how can you eh, social distance in these industries? It's just absolute madness, you know? Oh, it's bonkers, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Where's your way to go to Florida? Well, um, we, well, I'm, I met my, my wife now about 16 years ago, um, and her mother and father moved out here uh, 15 years ago. They emigrated, um, but her sister was already out here. She married an American uh, who she met in the Navy, so the family, all the families out here, um, and Sarah said, well, you know, we'll put in for a visa, So, but it took us 15 years to get here. That's how, you know, because a lot of the we were on a waiting list and it just dragged on and dragged on and because of a lot of the terrorism and things like that, the waiting list were you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going down that quickly. So we eventually last when was it? Last November, uh, Sarah got the visa through and she said, Right, we've got six months to act. If we don't act in six months then they just put you back at the you know, the end of the queue again. So basically, we just pack everything up and go, <laughs> and we came over in January, and that was it. You know, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad an upheaval um, because uh, my wife works in clinical trials with um, a pharma company, so she she works from home. She can work from anywhere in the world. Um, uh, and the kids, I've got. I mean, my two kids are like seven and four. Uh, might seem, I mean, I started late, don't laugh. <laughs> but, you know, my, my seven-year-old, he had just 
sort of started school. He was only in primary one, and my little one was just in nursery. So it wasn't a big upheaval for them, you know, to move. But now they're both settled, it's it's fine, you know. Was it easy for them, given that um, you, you would have had to say, um, you're going to the land where Mickey Mouse is? Oh, I mean, but to be fair, you know, Jackson's seven now. I mean, he's been... We used to come here on holiday all the time and go up to Orlando, so he's seen it all and done it all. <laughs> he's fed up with it now. <laughs> yeah, we've got our own Mickey Mouse uh, sideshow down in Glasgow, but it's um, called uh, the SPFL. Uh, <laughs> oh, a nice link there, aye. Was that in the script, John? <laughs> Just Set inspiration, yeah. Lead us with the latest on that. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the latest um, proposals today, um, the the League Two clubs have pretty much said unanim- unanimously they will only agree to a 14-14-14 setup. Um, so that's cutting one of the three divisions, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what they've basically said is, um, well, I was reading still an Albion statement on it, they've basically said is because um, the Highland League and the Lowland League have said no relegation, well, there's no opportunity for promotion this season either. Um, that's the the bad thing about it, um, because basically Kelly Hearts and Royal Rangers will not get the chance of getting into the division this season. Right, and that's right. the bit that I think's a bit stinking. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's, it's Barry. It's Barry Ferguson. Is there in it? Yeah. 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 Guilty. I think. Obviously, I've heard, I've read bits and pieces that you know they've invested quite heavily over there, and it seems a bit of shame. But I suppose you can't please everyone, though. So. Yeah, I think we can understand the, the side of things and not wanting to relegate teams, but in this pyramid system, regardless, you want teams to be able to progress in it. That's the whole idea of it. Um, and it's already difficult enough because you only relegate one place. Um, so, so what are they going to do with the 14 teams? Is it play each other three times? Well, what they're proposing in the, the top flight, because um, obviously Sky have signed um, the new contract has got to have four old firm games. So right. the the way they would work the split, I don't know if they're going to do a top seven and bottom seven and have like, the seventh and eighth teams have three weekends in the last weekend of the season because they're unlikely to be involved in games that, where they could qualify if you're probably relegated. Meaningless um, games, yeah, they tried to, to get away from that, but didn't they? Meaningless games. Yeah, yeah but... It's either that or it's going to be a top six and bottom eight, which is still going to preserve your playing each other. Um, you know, and even it's, it's a more even split, um, let's put it that way, um, yes. because you still get to play each other home and away, and it would preserve your old firm games unless one of them finished in the bottom seven, which isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it's going to work in the other leagues, I don't know, because I understand you played a few seasons where. Um, you had a 14-team league, but you're playing Char three times. So some games, you're, some grounds you're going to twice and some you're only playing once. That's right, yeah. yeah. I can't remember, you know, what the split was, but uh, I know I know it, it was three when I played and it with Falkirk. Mm-hmm. You just had yeah. to take, take what you get. And I think, <laughs> well, I, I really can't remember the fixtures, but I think, you know, if we had Celtic Rangers at home, it was good for the club. <laughs> if we had them twice, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I think in the day you would have had problem them. now, isn't it? <laughs> that the teams want they want two home ties against Rangers and Celtic, as opposed to going down to one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, that seems to be the biggest problem, unfortunately. Um, and it just no, screams self-preservation. Someone about it, you know, because of the fiction. Oh, we got Rangers away twice and blah blah blah. I mean, you, can't, you can't please them all. Yeah, it's just one of these things. Yeah. As a former player, because um, you obviously would have been playing um, every team four times a season, did it become monotonous for you, or were you just happy? No, it was. No, it was never monotonous. No, um, quite happy. I'm not sure. Did, did we play four that often? Let me think. There, I think there might have been when the league's reconstructed again to like the ten-team league across the four divisions. Uh, oh, I'm not sure now. No, I don't think. I mean, I left Claybank in '96. When was the reconstruction then? '94, '95. '94, '95. So there would be so there would be four teams, uh, four leagues at. Ten then at that time. Yeah. Right, right. No, I mean, I just took it as it was. Never, never bothered us. Yeah. So was the political side not something that you ever really got interested in Scottish football? No. Enough for that, or that for other people, were they? But. Well, yeah. I mean, end of the day, I was there just to pull the jersey on and do. His, do as well as you could, and that was it. You know, win, lose, or draw. I was trying to win, but um, the political side never bothered me at all. Never, never bothered me at all. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, the other, the other big thing that's been talked about in Scottish football just now is um, Hearts have been pretty much well, the way I see it is, um, and Budge has been almost blackmailing her players to say take a 50% wage cut or else um, which isn't going down very well I mean it's that's not been great I've read bits of it but I, I'm not getting caught in the middle here because I used to live in Edinburgh and I've got a lot of, a lot of jambos and a lot of highbies as my mates yeah. <laughs> and they might listen to this so I'll go sit on the fence with that one yeah this isn't an anti-hearts thing this is just you know the yeah the way we look at it is we try and put, you know, put, look at things objectively. And um, we also have our teams, but you know, we always look at things objectively. And I just don't think the way Anne Budge's, um, her, the way she's been coming out with things the last few weeks has been great. Um, but then there's other clubs that have been making statements. We're still waiting on Rangers' evidence, um, for example. Um, it it just needs people with sensible heads to think about the good of Scottish football at this time because it is a difficult time for everyone. And let's just hope that clubs don't go to the wall. Yeah, well, it's hard enough to, to get revenue, isn't it? Um, a lot of the clubs. I mean, I, I really do admire um, some of the clubs in the lower leagues who, you know, and I played for a couple of them, um, who always lived within their means. Uh, always, you know, breaking for one, I was there. Always lived within their means. They they got by um, by selling the odd player now and again. And they got they got 50,000 for me in 1986 from Falkirk. I mean, I must have kept them going for a good couple of seasons. Um, clubs like Fall, uh, Forfar, Metros, all these clubs, you know, they get about 600 fans, but they'll live within their means. They don't go out and spend loads of money on wages. And uh, and I do admire them. And they're always run very well. They're always friendly. Um, but uh, when you start, you know, going further up the leagues. They've all been there and done it. I mean, I remember Wraith Rovers signing all these full-timers. I don't know when it was. Was it back in the mid-80s? Early 90s, maybe? Um, Wraith Rovers done it. 
uh, Livingston done it, and you know you, you look what happened from then on in. There's no yeah. money in football. I mean, no, nobody knows. I, I don't know if there are any solvent clubs in the UK now. I knew that Arsenal always used to be solvent because we're very, very good with their money. But if you look at most of them, have got debt. In fact, every one of them's got debt. And I've always said um, that if Sky, uh, I'm not having a dig at Sky here, but if Sky did get into trouble and fold, the whole English football collapse. You know, yeah, I think, the yeah. money they're throwing about, and there must be a saturation point with Sky. You know, okay, a lot of the money's not, you know, from uh, subscriptions, but a lot is from um, commercial stuff and things like that. But uh, there must be a saturation point when it comes to um, subscriptions with Sky, and they can't keep. I think was it last year was the first year that they didn't actually increase the money to the English Premier League. Um, yeah, it was the first thing. Had a small decrease. Yeah. Yeah, it had a small decrease. Yeah. So, you know, it can't go on forever. It can't. So, we'll see. Um, see, just interesting when you brought up there about the topic of moving on from breaking to Falkirk for 50 grand. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe that at that time there was talk of you, well, you didn't, you weren't aware of it, but Rangers were interested when soonest took over. I found out about 10 years later on a golf course. Funny enough, with my old manager, Ian Fleming who, you know, I'll still say that he's the best manager I've ever played under, um, taught me all I knew, um, and he said, <laughs> golfing, we're both members of Carnoustie, we're golfing at Carnoustie one day, and he said, did I ever tell you that Rangers come in for you? And I went, really? You tell me now? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he said uh, the situation was that um, Walter, Walter, Walter Smith um, came up uh and he basically said to Breakin, I want you to, uh, I'll give you 35 grand. Um, and the chairman says, no, I want 50. Uh, and they went out and bought Colin West. <laughs> <laughs> so I, man, I was gutted. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if you know, because I was a ball boy at Ibrox when I was about 10. So, I mean, oh. although, yeah, um, although, you know, my first love and still always will be St. because I was, Born and bred just two minutes for the ground at Love Street. Um, but I had a wee, you know, a wee liking for Rangers as well. Um, but that that would have been... Um, I, I'd, I'd much prefer to play with St Mirren, you know, to be fair. But, uh, did that possibility ever come up? It did. You ever liked for St Mirren? Well, it did because um, I was, uh, you know, I was playing uh, amateur juvenile football um down in Paisley at the time. I'd actually went junior when I was 16. Uh, I don't know a lot of people know this, but I signed with Lars Thistle when I was 16. Ah, um, I saw that earlier actually when I was doing my research. Eric, Eric Sorison was the manager. Um, but I went far too early. I went from a, a, a juvenile club called Edie Star, which is, was no, you know, it wasn't, you know, directly, nobody related to me. They were just called Edie Star from Paisley. They were a fantastic, you know, under 16s, under 18s, under 21s. And I was playing with the under-16s, I think, at the time. And so I, I signed the lads this way. But I think I went too early because, you know, I wasn't I wasn't big and strong enough. At that time, the junior leagues, there was lots of ex-pros played there. Um, big, strong lads. And I, you know, I only lasted about a year or something. And then I fell out of love with, with football. I, I stopped playing for a couple of years. Um, then I got an opportunity to go back and play with a club called uh, Johnson Thistle. 
that was uh, under 21s. Uh, I was only 19 at the time. Um, I was playing a centre half, and I've scored a lot of goals from set pieces. You know, there was a scout came along one day um, from uh, to, sorry to watch someone else in their team, and I think I scored a couple of goals, two or three goals in the game. And it was a commander scout that was outside, and he said, "I want, I want you to come for a trial." Um, but sorry, sorry to digress. But just before that, mm-hmm. uh, I'd I'd heard that Sid Munman maybe looking at me as well. Um, and now I know where everything fell into place because at the time the manager was Jim Clooney at St Mirren um, and then Jim Jim got the sack and it was only not long after that that I got an in, invite to come to a trial and guess where Jim Clooney went? Kilmarnock Kilmarnock, yeah <laughs> and I was his first signing so I do believe if Jim had maybe had stayed at St Mirren I might have had a chance to sign with them, but um, so that's about as close as I came to signing with my boyhood heroes. So, initially, so when I see initially, then to you played centre half, then and then moved to striker. Yes, yeah, yeah. Actually, when I went for my trial, uh, I I was picked up with the scout playing centre half, and I went to my trial. It was at Lesser Hamden uh, against Queens Park Reserves, and. Uh, I went into the dress room, sat down, and Jim Clooney came in. It wasn't the reserve manager, Jim Clooney came in. And there was a few first-teamers, actually, uh, just to get some match practice. He said to me, with his big, rough, deep voice, he's going, what position do you play, son? And I said, I play centre-half. And he said, ah, too many centre-halves. Do you play up front? And I said, I'll play anywhere. So he gave me the number, he gave me the number nine shirt. And I think we, I know I scored, but I think it was either 2 all or 3-2 we won. Um, and then the following night I get uh, asked to come down to Rugby Park and sing so sorry no it's okay sorry what were you saying uh, so it's interesting you would obviously get the scenario where Willie Miller he went the other way around he went from striker to centre half oh I didn't know that I didn't know Willie Miller it worked out well for both of you right yeah yeah I mean actually when I, when I played when I get picked up playing for Largs I was playing midfield believe it or not Um I actually quite enjoyed the middle of the park. Uh, enjoyed all three positions. Um, but, you know, obviously had more of my success up front. Yeah, um, so what was your um, apprenticeship, well, your um, senior apprenticeship like, um, you know, at Kilmarnock under Jim and I think Rab Stewart was the manager as well, was he not? Uh, well, Rab was, he was sort of the second team coach. David Wilson was there, you know, ex-Rangers. Davey was Jim Clooney's um, assistant at the time. Uh, oh no, come on, I had a great, a great side at the time. You know, the back, the back four were like giants. You know, they had McDickin, Armstrong, and Clark, and then you had uh, Alan Robertson, Alan McCulloch, Scottish international goalkeeper, um, Midler Park, Jimmy Clark, Stuart, Stuart McLean, George Maxwell, uh, Ali Mocklin, and then up front you had Big John Burke. Um, then later in, Sammy, me, Sam McGivern got introduced. Uh, I mean, my first, my first uh, full game was um, against Celtic at Parkhead, uh, the old Parkhead. And uh, I remember being, this was the time when they used to pin the, the squads up. There was a reserve team and the, and the first team. 
and the Thursday night at training, because we were part-time at Kilmarnock, they put the, the two squads up. And I remember getting a pat in the back from uh, one of the guys, and they said, oh, God, you're in. And it was only two, I think it was only two subs at the time, so it was 13 years travelling to Parkhead, and I was actually in the 13, so I was like, wow, this is fantastic, you know. Uh, I think I had, I'd, I'd been on the bench at Tynecastle the week before. Um, I didn't get on. So I goes to Parkhead, and I thought, oh, I'll get probably be on the bench. Um, and then I was handed number 11, so I started in that game. Um I scored in that game and we drew one one. <laughs> so that was that was my debut for Com- first full full debut for Comana. Um, the following season uh, there we um we started off, you know I, I think I scored about three or four goals, but I was just I was in and out of the team. Uh, Ian Bryson came into the team, he was sort of battling for the same position and Sam McGivern was there always the big John Buck and then I think Clooney went out and bought uh, Brian Gallagher from Dumbarton uh, for 50 grand and Brian was a he was a flying machine um, so him and Burkey basically had the two striker roles from then on in and I, I struggled to get in the team I played in the reserves uh, most of the most of the rest of the season um, and eventually it, it worked out um, I actually moved. I, I was living at Kilmarnock at the time, and I moved back to Dundee where my parents were. Uh, a long story, but we'll not get into it. But I moved back there, and uh, I was travelling up and down the road for reserve games, and it wasn't great. My dad was there with, with the car. He was taking me down to reserve games and back and so on. And and I was training with Dundee United at the time. And uh, Jim McLean said to me. Uh, when he came out, training with the part-timers at night, and part-timers at Dundee United at the time were David Dawes, Morris Malpass, David Bowman, uh, Craigie Brewster was there, um, lots of good, you know, uh, we went on to, you know, be internationals, they were all part-time. Um, so I was training with Dundee United and Jim McLean said to me, what's happening to me, Sunday? you know, are you, are you still signed with Kamar? are you getting released? Or what? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, uh, why don't you want to come in full time? I'll speak to Kilmarnock. So I went into Dundee United for a month um, and I was so naive and so uh, so young at the time. Um, I didn't realise, but Walter Smith came to me after uh, the month and he said, look, Kenny, we Jim likes what he sees, but he's far too many good strikers and you would struggle to get a, a place. So I'm just letting you know. And I said, oh God, I didn't even know they were running the rule over me. Um, but luckily enough, it worked out fine because... He said, "There's a game coming up, and uh, one of the afternoons against Dundee Reserves. I think it was Dundee Reserves, um, and I, and I played for Dundee United Reserves. Managed to score a couple, and Ian Fleming was at the match, the breaking manager at the time. And you know that was that was my next move. And they were in the first division at the time, weren't they, breaking? They were in the first division. They just been just got promoted. Um, they won promotion. They won the league." Um, that was 82, 83, I think they won it. And I signed 80, yeah, for the start of the 83, 84. Um, and we, we had a great season. We nearly got promoted. I think we ended up finishing fourth. Um, some great players. Fleming, Ian Fleming had a great squad. Just put a lot of, you know, experience in the team. John Young came. Um, Johnny Burke. Uh, George Mackey was there at the time, John Hay, 
Lots of great professionals, Davey Watt, Derek Nielsen, but a great team, and we ended up um, finishing fourth. So that that was a fantastic season. And then you spoke about uh, Fleming being the best manager that you played under. What made him the best manager you played under, would you say? I think I think when I look back, because he played in the same position as me as a striker, he was fearless. Um, I just remember him, you know, we worked hard. We worked hard when we, we, we done the running, when we had to do the running. But, you know, I've always said, and I was involved in management and coaching for a little bit, the Queen of the South, towards the end of my career. But give the give the guys the ball. Ian always had at least an hour of shooting, practice, all sort of drills for scoring and crossing, finishing, crossing, finishing, in the mud, in the dark, in the old behind the old heads at the Glebe. <laughs> And it was just, I think when I look back, the, the, the other managers um, I played under, um, oh, my first one, Clooney, Big Jim, he was a centre half, wasn't he? Um, and then I moved to Breakin, Eden was a striker. I moved to Falkett, probably one of the worst moves of my career. Um, Billy Lamont, he was a goalkeeper. Um, so when you look at, you you go down the line, you look, look at, the managers I played under, they um, they didn't have a lot of great ideas about coaching, apart from Ian. Right. Uh, and it, well, latterly I would say, you know, the the, the, the last three clubs, yeah. Um, we, we never had coaches at Clydebank. Well, we did. Jimmy Fallon, Sammy Henderson. We had a lot of you know guys with good knowledge and great experience in the game. But it was, I think, we were that good at Clydebank. Basically, Jack Steeman says this, you should go out and play. And we did. We went out and played. And we were a great side. Um, so, I think there's, I've got other thoughts on coaching as well. And this is, I'm not, I'm not going to speak about it because it gets it gets me annoyed and depressed at times when I look at the setup um, in Scottish football. In what way would you say? Uh, Just with coach. I'm not, it annoys me, you know, Everybody touts this Larks thing, it's the, the, the best thing since sliced bread. I don't believe. I don't believe so. I look at the success of um, the national team. Um, look at the clubs in Europe. Um, we haven't progressed. In fact, we went backwards. And I put it down to the coaches ever since probably going back to Mandy Roxburgh's time. <clears throat> You look at, you know, the coaches from there. They've all taught the other coaches that are coming the same stuff. And they, in turn, coach the same stuff to the other guys that are coming through. And it's all the same. It's just a natural, you know, just a natural decline in the standards. And I think we're trying to coach the life out of kids. Right, there's too much getting into the um, coaching side, um, coaching oh, side all, and yeah, rather than playing. To- yeah, it's all about don't lose and ball retention. Keep the ball, keep the ball, don't lose it. Blah blah blah. You know, there's what harm to wingers? Have you ever seen a manager go and play a four, a four three three? Hi, that's something that play with two wingers. Like. Two wingers. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's when goals. Yeah, put them all yeah. the box. It's not rocket science, is it? It's something not rocket science. Aye. Something we spoke about a fair bit. I hate the inverted winger system. See all the cutting inside and all that. It's a simple game, as you say. You get the ball down the box, cross it in. If you get cross it in the box, you'll create chances. 
Of course you will. Of course you will. You yeah, know, all teams are playing the same formation in that. Yeah. But that's how we were good at Claybank. We had good players in good positions that knew what to do. They knew their job. You know, we had wingers. We had great wingers at the table. Gary Teal, Gary Bowman, Chick Charlie. Guys with skill, flair. People you go and pay money to see. There's nobody in Scottish football I go and pay to watch. Nobody excites me. So, I mean, I just think the, the kids are getting their life coached out and, and it's just all coming down. I mean, the game's obviously moved on since I played. It's got a lot, f- a lot faster. And basically, you've got to be a six-foot monster. You know, it can run, you know, 100 metres in about nine seconds. Um, it's, it's it's just got, especially down south, if you look at, you know, if you look at the English Premiership, how fit these guys are now. Um, but it's just, uh, I mean, my, my seven-year-old's over here. Um, my wife said to me when he was five, when we were still back in Scotland, oh, I need to get Jackson into, into soccer school. But I said, no, and I refused to put him in because um, I didn't want him going and, and picking up all the bad habits. I said, there's a time. So we came over, he's now nearly eight. Um, and I sort of went along to some of the the coaching here. Uh, and I thought, well, the setup's not bad. You know, it's not all about um, it's not all about tactics. They get let the kids go and do do what they want with the ball, um, because at that age the kids don't know. You can tell them. You hear it all in Scottish, you know, the Scottish parks all all over the country back home. It's the women tuck in, tuck in, sit there, don't you know? And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, aye. it's usually women. I <laughs> remember that when I played, aye, it was get, get it away, get yeah. it away, and all that. <laughs> Shouting and bawling at the top of their voice. It just, my God, let the kids go and play until they're 12. At least. Aye. Yeah, 12-year-old. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's another thing. This, so on you go, John. Oh, you go, John. I was just going to say, um, I, th- I think one of the sad things is that schools football seems to have died off as well. Um, and... <laughs> You know, is that something that you think should be... I mean, it's, I... times have changed. There's a lot more to do um, for kids nowadays. You know, a lot of them are lazy. They don't want to get off their Xbox. And, um, but when I, when, I, when I was young, I remember going back to my school days, I, I first started playing with the school team when I think I was about eight. And then I had... That was on the Saturday morning. And then I had a game on the Saturday afternoon for, a, for another team. And then maybe sometimes they're a game on a Sunday. Right? Maybe you could say that's too much football. But that's all there was to do. And I loved it. I always wanted to go and play. So I mean, I played three games a week up till, up till I was about 18. Nice. <laughs> that's what it was though back then, wasn't it? Like folk played with different teams, whereas now you've got these performance schools that players aren't allowed to play with anyone apart from them. Or oh. if you're signed to a club, you're not allowed to play with anyone else. Whereas... You hear oh, stories of the likes of yourselves and other guests we've had on from that era. Yeah, and you were maybe training with like three or four different teams, playing with yeah, different teams, learning different things. And they're all affiliated to other teams, but you know what? It fills their head with, right, I've made it. And I've done nothing. A lot of the young yeah. kids, is, they walk out, you know, they talk about depression and, 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 and suicide and all that, but some of these young footballers are getting thrown in the scrap heap. Whose fault is it? You know, they've, they've been affiliated to a club for two or three years, whether it's S form or whatever form they call it now, I don't know. And then all of a sudden there's a mass cull at one of the clubs and all these young boys get thrown in the scrap heap. 
at 18 and they don't know anything else. It's not, it's not right. It's not right. The clubs are to blame. The clubs are to blame for signing them up and, you know, and not working them hard enough and not, you know, drilling into their head that, you know, there's more to life than football. I was lucky. I, worked, I was part-time all my life and I worked, I had a full-time job. And that is one of the main reasons I did not go full-time. Maybe because yeah. I wasn't good enough as well at a higher level. But I had offers to go numerous clubs full-time and I turned it down. Maybe it was because at certain stages in my career, the, the timing wasn't right. I mean, I remember Hearts 37 even when I was 33 year old. When Tommy McLean was there. From Claybank. <laughs> was is that because you scored against him in the Scottish Cup? <laughs> no, no. I had my own business. Uh, well, I was I was joint director of a plant hire company um, in in Edinburgh at the time with a friend of mine, and uh, he said to me, um, my partner had said to me, "Oh, I hear uh, me and Hearts are sniffing about you," and I went, "Well, you know, he, no." He said to me, he said, "Well, why don't you do it?" And I'm like, "Well," he said. Come in here, what in the morning, and go. Or sorry, go to training in the morning. Come in here in the afternoon, and I could have done it if it wasn't for Jack Steed wanting a hundred grand. <laughs> Aye, it's interesting talking about that though, in terms of the yeah. obviously playing side of things and then um, work-wise, because even the likes of just now, folk like Lawrence Shanklin saying how when he get left Aberdeen, they kind of trained as a personal trainer and stuff like that. So he's got a fallback plan if something was to go wrong yes. with football. Whereas uh-huh. so many players don't. So this is something even in the top flight. Um, Aberdeen, Shea Logan's training to be a plumber just now. You think these guys... Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, I admire them. This is a I, chance I, for I forward them. thinking for these yeah. guys. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's a short... I mean, lucky enough, I mean, I played till I was 40, but I mean, a lot of these guys are you know, finished at, you know, early 30s. And what did they do? They're like, God, I've not got a trade. Again, I was, uh, you know... I, I got a trade when I left school. Um, so, but that was back in the day, you know, it's okay saying that back in the day you were you were encouraged by your mum and dad to, to go and get a trade and, and I did and I went and got it. Um, so, I, I, I admire these guys that are actually in football just now, not earning a lot of money and thinking that the future, right, what the hell am I going to do when I'm 30 odd? Am I going to get into coaching? <laughs> There's not that many make it nowadays. Um, or whatever. So yeah, um, I thought a lot of these Scottish clubs were supposed to be doing that for youngsters. I remember Loggy done it when he was at St Johnson. Do you remember that? I when think there is a bit about it. Um, some of the but some of the players have spoken about how they've maybe been invited to go along to colleges and different things like that, and yeah, whether yeah. they go or not. But I think there is some stuff happening within the clubs now. Um, <laughs> but it's whether the players are, are up, taking them up on it, I suppose as well. I remember Lucky when his man's at St. Johnson. He had the he had the boys on roofs and all that because he, he hated giving them an afternoon off. <laughs> Big Roddy Grant, he, he was a roofer, and there was I don't know if it was just a mock up, but he was making them do a bit a bit for the society. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So go back to your career um, obviously you had a, a terrific season uh, one of your best seasons at Brecon was when you were top scoring the division with 22 goals in 85-86 uh, uh, yeah. that prompted you to Falkirk just sum up your time at Brecon as a whole in terms of um, fantastic in your trade almost fantastic um, I can't 
I can't sing their praises enough. I've, I said before, you know, admire them for living within their, their means. Um, great club, great people that run it. Um, and we did at the time, you know, he, I mean, our, our president, when I was there, was you know, David Will. He was, uh, was he not the president of the SFA? He was, yeah. Yeah, well, David was there when I was there and uh, um, a lot of other, um, Davy Burts, uh, Kenny Ferguson, a young Kenny Ferguson at the time, and Ken's chairman now, isn't he? Um, but uh, great setup behind uh, in, in the board, great management, great players, great crack, um, just a fantastic club to play for. Yeah. Was it through there that you got to um, know a bit more about Carnisty Golf Club? Because Scott Dowie um, has asked me to ask you a question through Twitter. Um, he's asking when you're taking him to Carnisty for around the golf, he promised you. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Tightwood. <laughs> Scott Dowie, the goalie? Yeah. Oh, big Scott. No, I call him Charbonnier. That's what the boys nicknamed him at the Queen of the South. <laughs> no, I remember the old Rangers goal, Sherboni. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Well, well, I, was, I, I was co-manager at Queen of the South and Davy Matheson, who was your goal, he got bad injury and he was going to be out. So we had, uh, we, oh, we signed John Hillcote um, and we needed another goalie. And uh, I, I've been known Scott for ages and uh, he was always saying, oh, yeah, he was, he was playing in the, was he playing the Lowland, Lowland Leagues as goalie for somebody? I can't remember. Spartans, maybe, or something like that. He said, oh, you know, I'm not a bad goalie. And I was like, would you want to come and give me this? <laughs> what for? I said, for a trial. Come down. Come on. There's a reserve game tomorrow night. Well, I'll put you in. Well, and he, was, he got in and he was, he was crapping himself a bit. He was like, oh, this is too soon, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> but... Um, he, he had a he didn't have his best night <laughs> and the boys ripped him they were calling him Charbonnier because I think he'd thrown a few in for Rangers didn't he <laughs> so, they, so it stuck so tell him from me <laughs> Kenny says hello Charbonnier <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll post like to this podcast for him <laughs> oh will listen to it will I uh, good uh, great so, so you got your move to Falkirk uh, right. 50 grand um, but Probably your own admission didn't quite go as well as you would have liked. What do you think the reasons were for that? A couple. Um, I think because of the Premier League at the time, um, it was a big step up because we were only part-time. And Billy Lamont, who signed me, um, I think he just signed me because I always scored against them. Uh, Billy was very defensive-minded. And I can see his point from a certain point that when you're going to the Premier League as a new club, you can't be just going 4-3-3, as I mentioned. Um, so he, the, and he was a goalkeeper, so he always wanted to button up the back. He maybe played five at the back and, you know, two in the middle. Um, and it was always seemed to be sort of me up front on my own. Um, but the odd time he'd maybe chuck somebody else up, but it was so difficult because, you know, you're playing against, most weeks, four international defenders. Because you had the Roberts, the Butchers, um, who was at Celtic at the time? Oh, McCarthy, uh, Anton Rogan, uh, Chris Morris. So, I mean, you were playing, and to try and play up there yourself. Um, so, I, I was getting frustrated. It started it started fine for me, because the first game, it was against Motherwell at home, which is probably the best game we could have got. First game in the Premier League, and we managed to win. I think I sneaked a goal in the last five minutes or something. 
So I, I got a good start. I broke my duck in my new club. and uh, But the, the games were coming thick and fast then because um, we were all, always playing midweek as well. And then when you're part-time, it's difficult to try and keep that. All you need to take is a few knocks, you know, a few guys out, injured, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you know, you've not got a, a fantastic, strong squad. So you've got to, you've just got to get the bandages on and get back on the park. So I think that took its toll. Um, and obviously maybe playing a wee bit negatively because, um, and then I think Billy was starting to get a wee bit of pressure. Um, and then he offence, I can't remember when he gets sacked, but he got a bullet. And then in came David Clark. Um, I was uh, I was out of the team at the time because Billy wasn't playing me. Um, so David Clark came in uh, just before the summer and uh, pre-season. We had a good pre-season. Uh, David liked me for some reason. So he partnered me with I think it was Sammy up front, and uh, in the pre-season it went really well. And he put something in the paper. He says, uh, "I was quite embarrassed." Actually, he said, "You know, when I was East Fife manager, and I, you know, if I had got the Scotland job, I'd have picked Gordon Jury, who was playing for East Fife at the time, and Ken Eady, who was playing for Breakin at the time. That would be my two strikers for Scotland." And I'm like, "Calm down, David. Come on." Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, but which I, I started well under him, but again the games came thick and fast and blah. And then we went to it all blew up one night. We went to Parkhead. Um, midweek game, uh, played one up front, me up top. Uh, you know, difficult to try. And, you can only hold the ball up for so long, but if you don't get any runners to help you um, to take the ball off you or whatever, get in behind, it wasn't happening. So I came in at half time and he slaughtered me, and I was like, right, okay. I just popped the shirt off and threw it at him. This is where I stick up your ass. I'm off. Sorry for swearing. It's all right. <laughs> You're fine. It's usually me that swears. So that, that was basically it. I just threw the shirt at him. And then he, he obviously, the next day, the reporter, this boy from the Falkirk Herald, I can't remember his name, uh, oh, he plastered over the paper. Um, uh, I don't know if it was words from Davy, but, you know, Edie's not, in, Edie's not up for the fight or something like that, or his heart's not in it, or... Uh, Davy had said, um, no, I, want pay- I want players playing who want to play for the shirt and all that. And I was like, I right. <laughs> so I, I think I, he left me out for the next four or five games. But um, And then he wanted me back for one game, came back. It was always for Motherwell because I, I scored all the time every time I played against them. <laughs> I think uh, a Motherwell game was coming up, so he pulled me out of the cover, dusted me down and I think we've won two nothing, <laughs> but I was still I was still a wee bit unsure, um, and then I heard a lot of speculation. One was Alex Smith was um, the St Mirren manager at the time, and Frank McGarvey was in dispute with St Mirren, and in one of the headlines for one of the papers said that uh, Smith and swap deal, uh, and swap deal with McGarvey, and I was like, "Well, oh, that'd be fantastic," <laughs> but I never materialised. <laughs> and then I think, oh, sorry, after that, um, I got a call. I was working in Edinburgh at the time um, with Huden Stewart. I was, uh, you'll get a laugh at this one. I was uh, the depot manager there, mate. You know, good job. I'd been with them for a number of years. Got a call from Jack Steedman saying. Um, I know from uh, Davy Clark, sorry, saying uh, 
Alec Miller wants to speak to you. Can you go to Easter Road? And I was like, oh, right, okay. So I went along Easter Road. Sat down with Alec and Peter Cormack. And, uh, you know, he said, look, we've, we've agreed a fee with, 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 Kilmar, uh, with Clyde Bank, sorry. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, I want you to come full time. And I was like, oh, you know, what's the, what's the deal going to consist of? Uh, so in came the chief executive, what was his name, Gray? What was his name? The, remember the two infamous ones at Easter Road? Gray and he was the chief executive. Anyway, he sat down and he said, so what do you do, son? And I said, well, my manager at a, a plant hire firm. And uh, he said, oh, three jobs are 10 a penny. Honestly, that's what he said to me. Mm. And I said, so what's the deal? He said, well, we'll give you what you're on the now. And, and I, said, I had a company car as well, which was worth a lot of money at the time. He said, oh, no, no, I can't give you that. He said, but, you know, you get, if it doesn't work out, you'll get a job back in plant hire. I just got up and walked out. <laughs> and Alec Miller's chased, Alec Miller chased me. He said, Kenny, he didn't mean it. I said, I don't give a shit. I'm off. See you later. <laughs> and then the following day, I signed with Clay Bank. <laughs> So that was it. I could have ended up at Hibs as well. <laughs> yeah. No regrets about that then? Well, it would have been nice because it would have been easy. I was living in Edinburgh at the time. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should have went full time. I'm trying to think of the age. I was a 27, 28 at the time. Um, I think Hibs were in Europe that year. Did they not play video tour or something like that? 1988. 87, 88, I think I think they were in Europe at the time. Um, but Hibs had no bad side then. But uh, sorry if you hear the burn in the background. She's crying. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that was that. And I, no, I wasn't. I don't think it was the next day. It was the same week. Uh, I got a call saying that uh, Ian Steedman, Well, Ian was taking to do with the stuff at the time. Him and Jack. So. Uh, Clyde Bank wanted to sign you and I went along and I spoke to Jack on the phone sorry uh, and he said he'd been following my career for years um, so he said because the Steemans were very good at that they were good to going to all the public parks and watching players and they always tracked players who were picked up by English clubs and went down south and a lot of them did fail and had to come back up the road and this is where Jack, picked, Jack and Ian picked a lot of Good players up. Uh, one of the best players I ever played with, Clyde Bank, was a good example. Was Paul Harvey. Um, Paul went down to Man United and fell out with Fergie because he told him to referee again. <laughs> Gave him a whistle and told the referee again. And Harv did the same as me. Harv threw the whistle and we came back up the road. And he signed with Clyde Bank and we formed a great partnership. So they were good at that. Um, so he'd always said that he 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 was tracking my career. And then when I started at Clay Bank, my first game was at, I think it was at Meadowbank. Uh, uh, we got beat, we got beat 3-2, but I scored. And that, again, I think when I think back to all my, all my, every club I played for, the six clubs, I, I scored a goal every every debut game. Um, so that was just a good start at Clay Bank. And then this just kept on flowing after that. Yeah, George Rose asked me to ask you, um, apart from yourself, who's the best ginger player you've played with? Ginger George. <laughs> Big George. <laughs> do you know George well, do you? <laughs> no, just through Twitter. <laughs> oh, right, right. 
the best ginger player. Oh, I know he's he's he's, he's looking for compliments here, isn't he? Uh, Richard Goff. <laughs> Played against. <laughs> no, Jordan was a stalwart. George, George got better with age. <clears throat> George, no, he did. I thought George was probably better in his later years when he played. Um, he was a wee bit raw when he was at Clydebank, and he, he, he was obviously trying to oust a few good uh, defenders, Stuart Old and John Marr and Big Sean Sweeney. Never really got until these guys left. He never really got a crack at the whip, but. <clears throat> I think he had his best years when he was older. I've not heard from him for a while. Say hello to him, will you? Well, um, although he says he would put a 10 on you saying Paul Harvey, so you've had to well, like, you know, I'm sorry I was <laughs> going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of many other ginger ones I've played with? Let me think. Uh, it's got to be Harv. Harv's my, Harv's my hero. He's my all-time favourite player apart from him and, him and Coop, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll take you on to uh, the cup, um, Scottish Cup run, 1990. So, um, oh, oh, you you oh, yeah. you're, oh, you're, you're oh, 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 Always loved the, the midweek games uh, at Kobawi under the lights. Um, uh, just something special. Um, I don't know. And I seem to do quite well in them. The season before that, funny enough, when St Murmur Holders, we got them and put them out that season. Um, when they, I mean, And I, I was actually, because I was a St Murmur fan, I was actually at Hamden watching them beat Dundee United. Uh, it's a funny story, but I, my, one of my, I was living in Dundee at the time. One of my best mates was a United fan. Oh, I'm going to the final. I says, well, I'll go with you. We were flying out to Ibiza uh, that night for a holiday. And um, so we got there. Uh, I had to go up the, the, old, the Celtic end, basically. That's where United fans were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said to me, you better not jump on down this at Mum's score. And I just looked out in front of me, and the other three sides of the ground were just full of black and white. I don't know where St. Mark gets so many fans. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, when Fergie scored, I was like, oh, bite my lip and everything. <laughs> was like, so we got, we, got out, we got out of Hamden, and we drove to... Where did we go? Oh, I used to work in a pub behind Love Street called uh, the Cottage Arms. I took him for a pint, but he didn't... He was that stupid, he didn't know it was all some fans he was in there. So he goes in there and he was depressed. Anyway, go, goes to into Paisley and we had a, a Chinese and then we goes to the airport, Glasgow Airport, gets in to check the flight. Oh, it's delayed. Oh, what are we going to do? I said, fuck, just go over to you know, the Excelsior Hotel across the road. I don't know if it's still called that. It's maybe the Hilton now, is it? Um, anyway, we goes in there for a drink. Who comes in about half an hour later? The St. Murn squad with a cup. He was like, you knew about this. You knew And obviously I didn't know about it. So that, that one's great. Um, sorry, yeah, so that was the first game uh, we knocked. We beat them 3-0 that year. Uh, and then, you know, the, the one you're talking about, sorry to digress, but the one you're talking about. Right. Um, I remember the first game was horrible. I've got, I was watching it on YouTube uh, a few weeks ago. It was like, Dead, windy, and sleet, snow at Love Street, and it was just a shocker of a game. Um, it was like a game of two halves. It was like ninety mile an hour wind blowing, you know, for either team different halves. 
And uh, we lost a goal. Mark McWalters scored in about the 89th minute. And I was like, really? Uh, and I remember I remember the cameras. If you watch it on YouTube, Mark McWalters, I think St. Murn fans were getting a bit frustrated with him at the time. But when he scored, he run to what they called the North Bank when I was a St. Murn fan. And that was his own fans. And he gave him that, you know, that way you cross you as if to say, you know, get it up, you. <laughs> <laughs> and he forgot what he was doing, but he was that excited because he scored. I was like, really? So, but then I think Harv scored uh, in the last minute, injury time. It was a deflection. So we managed to take them back uh, to Kobawi. Uh, and I think it was a Monday night. Yeah, it was on a Monday yes, night. Yes, it's a Monday yeah. um, They had a yeah. good team sitting in at that point. Look at there. Paul Lambert played. Paul Lambert was playing. Um, Torfison, Billy Davis, um, Norman Water. Miss Campbell. Campbell's in goals, isn't it? Campbell Money. Mm-hmm. So I said, one were a good side. Um, so, yeah, I just I watched that game recently as well because I've got a guy on Facebook who always sends me a lot of clay bank clips and. There's not a lot of videos kicking about, but this was one in particular. The first one was a, um, the first one was a header, um, and then did St Mirren, did they score? Anyway, I, I scored the winner. I, I got two. I got the first one, and a, no, John Davis scored the second one, and then I, I, I scored um, for my great cross with Joe Dixon. I was at the back post, a bullet header. Um, so that was three two. So that was knocking them out again. Nice. Um, yeah, and then I think we got Sterling Albion, didn't we? Yeah, put them yeah. in a replay again, I think. In the quarter, Jack was going to kill me, Jack Steeman. Um, so I got sent off at Kilbury. I missed, and we drew, I missed the replay. He was going bonkers. What did I you got, do? I got, I got uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, big guy in the middle of the park. I put the ball in and he came right through the... He came right through the back of me and chopped me, and I just got him and stuck a head on him. <laughs> just the red mist, stuck a head on him. Oh, don't know where the red was. Straight red, boom, comes in. And Jack followed me in, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, really sorry, Bob. <laughs> Get out of the bath. Oh, oh, oh. So, anyway, the, the replay was, uh, it was a broke vote because still and all being down to the ground. Is that right? Was Might that, have been. Was that in between when they were knocking Anfield down and yeah, their new ground being ready? Anyway, I remember the replay being at Falkirk and uh, I, had to, I had to watch it from the stand and I was like, Paddy Kelly scored the winner. Um, and we were dancing about in the dressing room after it and Jack was staring at me. He said, you lucky boy, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then the semi was just, I don't know. It was a bit of a bluff to everybody. We never performed as we could do. Uh, Celtic weren't that good at the time. I remember they were probably one of the their, one of their bad teams, <laughs> if you can put it that way. But we didn't perform. Um, didn't do ourselves justice. We had we had a couple of chances, but not that many. And then obviously the first goal killed us with Andy Walker. Was it five minutes or something? And then 85 minutes. But we had a couple of chances in between. But it wasn't to be. Now, well, a funny story about that as well, because we, we the boys had um, brought their dancing gear 
uh, with them when we took obviously when I lose we're going out anyway into Glasgow so we got all the stuff hanging up came in after the match said right come on we'll go get a beer so Celtic went away in their parts of Hamilton bus with all their coffee and their beers and all that you know what the boys that were going up the tune we went out the Celtic end right walked up all the stairs down the back jumped over the stun- turnstile this is true got out onto the road I can't remember what's that road called at the back of Hamden there um, yeah, I don't know. Flagged a couple of taxis down. So four of us, uh, the one I was in, four of us bundled into a taxi. Um, the guy says, um, "Where are you off to, lads?" Says, oh, just to get to city centre. I said, "Oh, what are you up to today?" We at the match. <laughs> we're like, oh, I were at the match, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was basically yeah. maybe a, maybe a Celtic fan trying to up. <laughs> when we told him the truth, he was like, I'll be right. You don't look like Mike, but it was just anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. You know, the two the two halves, one in the way in the parts of Hamilton, and I was just in a taxi. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Great night. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the person who runs the Clyde Bank uh, Twitter account asked the question 11th of May 1991 did you go up to anything special? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Was that a party game? <laughs> yes Yeah that's him That's uh, tattooed in my brain who, who, Who's the guy? What's his name? I might know him I don't know. Um, you know, we just tied to Clyde Bank when we said that you were coming on and they asked the question um, right, We'll try right. and find that out Oh, just that was just a dream game that one. Um, ben, obviously, before like, it was the last game of the season, and uh, we were going again. We were going. We were going to Mallorca, I think it was, and Thistle had. They were going away somewhere else. They were going to Tenerife or whatever. So all the holidays were booked. Last game of the season, nothing to play for. And uh, well, for me personally, I was locked on twenty-six goals with Gordon Dale, Wraith Rovers. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and the daily record were top, you know, first one to 30, wins the golden boot, blah, blah, blah. So we were locked on. They came in at half time and I think it was 1-1. Yes, Patrick scored first. Sammy Johnson scored and then half scored, I think it was. 1-1 came in and uh, Jack was going mad. Get your finger out of his, blah, 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 blah. And then somebody <laughs> said to me in the dressing room, Daz, Daz has scored two already. I'm like, half time I'm like oh, right. oh, well that's that gone goes out in the second half I just don't know where the four came for you anyway scored four in 22 minutes um, the last one in the last minute and I was looking at the amount of fans that were there I think it was about 2000 the official attendance was 2300 it felt like about 30,000 with the noise that came off them. it was just incredible just one of the, one of my highlights of my career yeah. you still got where's the golden boot then just now well, it wasn't a boot. It was a. They just called it the Daily Record Golden Shot, but it was a. It was a trophy. Um, so I got a trophy. I got a crate of champagne, and I got a thousand pound. Um, and unfortunately, I had to hand the trophy back the following year because Coisty beat me by. I think it was a. He beat me by a goal the following year because I think I finished. Yeah, he got to thirty just before me. I think it was maybe twenty twenty seven or something. I had twenty eight, but. Um, so I mean, I passed it. I don't know if they still do. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. A lot of good names on the trophy. Mm-hmm. But that was um, anyway. We went to we went away to um, in Mallorca, and uh, and John Lambie cancelled Thistle's holiday. 
Yeah, I, I just remember being at the airport, and, and for, you know, a wee guy called Henry Temple that used to play with us. Yeah. Well, Henry mm-hmm. was. Uh, well, Henry was with us. Uh, he was playing with us at the time, and I found an old photo when I was going through some of the old uh, stuff in my garage the other day. There, it says at the airport because somebody had phoned the dealer. Our flight was delayed again for some reason, and uh, somebody had phoned the dealer record to say, you know, Kennedy's up at the airport. You know, do you want to come and? Oh, so this guy, he appeared with the, the trophy. Never never appeared with the money, but he appeared with the trophy. And uh, so we got a, a, a couple of um, photos and that. And I, I still had that photo. And, I, and I, so I sent it to wee Henry the other day there. And he was like, God, shit, how old is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we went away. And to be fair, I, I won a thousand pounds, but I don't think I seen any because the guy, a lot of the guys were with, they were all packed in. I had a job, another job outside football. So a lot of these guys didn't. They didn't have a lot of money with them. So I basically said to them, right, on the last night, I'm going to pay for all the drink. <laughs> Went to this bar called Manos. It cost me about 400 quid. <laughs> <laughs> but I did actually, I, I mean, I paid for all. I just ordered crates of beer and bottles of this and bottles of that. <laughs> the boys good, good man. How long did the bottle of champagne last? What was it? Oh, I, actually, I think I, had, I still had some of them because I'm, I don't like it. Um, I, was, I think I gave most of it away. Um, it was more shunned on to <laughs> the best of stuff. Um, I, I, I found old photos uh, of, of, you know, the presentation and all that as well that year. Uh, when I was in the garage or there, some great memories. See, yeah. in terms of Clyde Bank, just going back to like when you kind of first started out there a couple of seasons, was mm-hmm. a frustration that you never managed to get promoted up into the Premier Division? You came close a couple of times. I think there was, um, because we certainly had the players. Uh, I, I truly believe if we hadn't have lost Owen Coyle and Tommy Bryce to fall and see just before, you know, they went away, Tommy went to Air, didn't he? And Owen went to Airdrie. If we hadn't have lost them, we'd have kept that team together. We'd have, we'd have flew through that league the following year. Um, because we we were, I think we got promoted. Was it Dunfermline who went up that year? Yeah, you finished six points behind Dunfermline. Did we? Yeah. What did yeah. we say? Third. Third, yeah. Scored, two points for win those days. He scored 80 goals that season. I know. I, I, mean, I think me and Oni were up over the 20s each. Tommy chipped in me a, a good load as well. Um, I mean, a great side. Um, but I do believe if we hadn't have sold them. But, you know, there Jack got, what, 175 for Oni. Um, Oni started the Airdrie. Hat trick, hat trick, hat trick, hat trick the following season. The following season. <laughs> I think his first four games he scored about 12 goals. Um, and then, But I still caught him because he broke his leg. <laughs> I think I was about 10 goals behind him and then only broke his leg and I finished I think I finished second to McCoy that year but yeah no that, that, that was a frustrating one if we hadn't have, uh, if we hadn't have lost these two because Tommy Bryce Tommy Bryce is a great player I, I uh, Tommy was at Comarnock when I was there and uh, but he, he was the same as me he was a French player never really got that many bites in the first team Um and he's another player I'll probably say now. Tommy, Tommy um, got a better wage. 
as well when you were at Clydebank, uh, famous in the headlines and the papers and everything like that all over Scotland. Wet, 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 get involved as sponsors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you ever get some freebies to go and see them? We, did, actually, out with them? we got, we got backstage, backstage passes for a gig they done at SEC, SECC. Uh, I tell for the story that when they, we were, we were away on holiday, uh, or was it just me? I was late back from holiday, the year that they became sponsors. So I get the phone call. I was just back. I was just off the plane, I think, and I got the phone call for <clears throat> Brian Wright was the manager. Brian says, Kenny Jacks, Jacks want to see me and you at Take Bowie because there's a photo shoot with the Wets. And I'm like, Wets, what's that about? He says, oh, wait, 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 our new sponsors. I was like, oh, right, okay. So I was just buying holiday. So um, I goes along to Clyde Bank, pulls up, and Jack's office was Jack's office was right underneath the banking club. So I, I goes in there, presumed he was going to be in there, so because I knocks the door, opens the door, and there the, wet, the Wets are sitting all around Jack's table. And Matty <laughs> Pearl says to me, oh, I'm the fucking pop star, pal. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> I had the tan and all that. I can just buy me all that. Sunglasses on and all that. <laughs> so that was introduction to them. And they were good lads. We had a, we had a couple of sherbets and uh, had a good laugh with them. And then the photo shoot, that was funny. Marty wanted to, he wanted to make the big entrance. The rest of the boys, like Tommy Cunningham and I, they're not giving a shit. And Graham and that. They were, they were just chatting away to us. But Marty had to make this big appearance you know you know that red and black jacket he used to wear that santa claus thing <laughs> and, it, and it was all stage managed you know all the all the boys with the cameras were, and then it was his agent would go right marty and you come now and marty would walk all the cameras going and all that. It's like that. <laughs> so yeah but then i think uh they used to sell their strips at the gigs and all that yeah um but I mean, if, it, if it's not wait, 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 that you see photos of me at Claybank, it's it's my own, well, not my own company, company I worked with for 20 years with Huden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was Huden, I think Huden only entered that sponsorship because I was there because they knew I was getting a lot of press at the time. So, but that was good for Huden as well. But I mean, I'm not sure how much financially we got out of wait, wait, wait. But it was great advertising. Yeah. Did you get to sing with them? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I remember being at the gig and we, we went backstage and had a couple of drinks. And um, I'm just, I, mean, I, I mean, I liked them. I, I used to think they were good. Good band. But uh, uh, I seen Marty on, uh, he was on Facebook the other night there. He's doing a, a thing for home. Um doing a wee number every night. Yeah. Ah, good stuff. Um, just to take you into 1993, um, another <laughs> good Scottish Cup run that you had, um, pushing a good Aberdeen side at the time. Aberdeen were top, and then you, you scored, and then you ended up going three-top with John Henry. Um, at that point, did you think another semi-finals within your grasp? Well, considering you, when you listen to the commentary again, it's a game I watched recently as well, it was Archie, it was Archie McPherson was doing it, and uh, you know, Clyde Bank, I'm never at the races here because you went 2 0 up, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mix you and Brian Irvin. And then yeah. uh, at that time, I thought, I mean, we, you know, I think it was after about 20 minutes or something, then we never, we never 
came out of the dressing room. But then we got a second, I think we got a wee win by the goal I got just before half time. That gives us a wee boost. We came in at half time and said, right, it's not over. It was a another great night with the stadium packed. It was muddy as hell, wasn't it? And uh, I, I loved conditions like that because, you know, the defenders didn't like it. But um, And then you go 3-2 up and you're like, wow, we're in heaven here. And uh, if I see Scott Booth, I'll kill him. <laughs> well, you just see you see the relief in his face when he scores the you know the the fourth one. It's like wow. Um, but no, again, a great night, a great night. But did you, you did you win it that year? No, we got to, we haven't won it since 1990. Um, that was one of the closest we've been. Rangers won the treble that year, um, but we lost to them in two cup finals that season. Did you, um, did you beat Celtic and penalties in one recently? Then. 1990. Oh, was that 90, was it? Right, yeah. right. Oh, that was a year we got to the semi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you you beat Celtic in the final, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. I haven't got a win penalty. That's right, so you did. Yeah. yeah. Right. So if you beat Celtic, you might have lost 1,000 penalties instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, I. Or you might have beat us, you never know. Maybe, uh, yeah. No, the first game, is, sorry, the first game at Pitori was a good one. That was some free kick with Martin McIntosh. Yeah, um, it was. We used one like that, and your wee, your wee darling got a broken leg. We wee fat Murdy sat on him. <laughs> Did he? Was it Ian Jess? Yeah, uh, Ian Jess. Yeah, broke his leg. Yeah, um, <laughs> Murdy sat on him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That was unfortunate. Um, I, I, I'm assuming he didn't mean to. <laughs> oh, no. No, he was innocent. <laughs> he used to kick everybody at training. <laughs> Brilliant wee guy. Uh, the, the, I mean, obviously, we it's easy for us to say because we were on the winning side, but that, that quarterfinal was one of the classic Scottish Cup ties um, at that time. Yeah. Um, Thank you, yeah. Well, that's the ones that stand out for me. <clears throat> Is that one, the St Mirren one, there was one, uh, it was maybe the same year. Did we not beat Airdrie? The game before we played you in that cup run. What what round was that? Was that the quarter final? Yeah, I think we knocked out Airdrie. The, the game before. We won 2 0 at Kilbury. Because I remember I, I scored the both of them, but that was another great night. Yeah, you did when the entry was the top flight. I think. Replay, I went to replay. Yeah. Was it? Ah, we got we drew at Broomfield, didn't we? Yeah. Was it? And then yeah, we took them back to Clay Bank, and uh, again another muddy night, and uh, and we beat them two 0 Yeah. Yeah, that was another classic. And the Partick game, obviously seven one game stands out. Um, that's that's the main ones. Yeah, and the part three, the last ever game there, which was my testimonial, which I'll never forget. That was fantastic. Yeah. Another player that you... Uh, so, you go, you go first, John, it's fine. That's all right. I, again, Coyste, he ended up scoring another ball in that testimonial. He did, I. You get some good players at your testimonial anyway, didn't you? Played the full team. <coughs> um, because they, they had a... The reason they played the full team is there was a break uh, of a week with nothing on in between that and the Scottish Cup final. And they were playing hearts. And... Uh, so, you know, good on Walter, he played his full team. Um, you know, Gorham, Gascoigne, Lydrup, uh, Goff, uh, could go on and on. 
they were all there. Jukebox, <coughs> full, full team. I remember Coisty saying to me after, <coughs> I had a couple of shots early doors and I don't, nothing was going right for me. And Coisty bagged, bagged the first two. Came back to take set and they say, hey, big man, your boots are on the wrong feet tonight. And then <laughs> Gary Bowman slung across in for deep and I went up and he did that in past Gorham. And I went back to the center, center circle and I said, I don't need boots on my head, Coisty. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then he, he got back to me because Gorham, Gorham saved my penalty. <laughs> and he was ribbing me. He was taking shit out of me. <laughs> but I know that was a, a, a memorable. Another thing, I, Big Terry Butcher had played five or six games for us because to help us out, we were struggling for centre half. Remember that? Mm, I remember him there. Uh, he played he played about five games for Clyburn. <clears throat> so when I came to pick a team, Brian wanted to Brian Wright was the manager and he said, Well, you take what you want, Kenny. There's a lot of the guys I wanted to come and play for me, but they didn't want to risk and cause insurance and all that. I wanted to have maybe only Coyle there and maybe Chick Charlie. But maybe it was a good idea not to have Chick because it was against Rangers. <laughs> but um some some of the players and unfortunately, you know, Cook would have been there but you know, sadly passed away. But uh, I remember we were doing the warm up. Uh, it was an old ticket game, and um, we were doing the warm up. And I remember Big Terry Butcher coming up to me saying, "Hey, Ching Ching, look at those hardly any empty sheets, Ken, isn't it? That's brilliant, mate." <laughs> <laughs> he says, "You still counting them?" I was like, "Yeah." So. Oh, yeah, I was watching as well from out, outside Kobawi as well. It was one of those stadiums you could remember the city centre, the, the centre of it. You could you could almost look in and see like it was a bit like Meadowbank. You could stand at the top gate and watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so that was that was the last ever game there. Um, nice presentation for Walter after a match. I got a few strips for guys like Coisty, Goffey, and um, nice. you know auctioned them off at the testimonial dinners and things so you know it was a good it was a fitting it sort of wee, went a wee bit sour after that because um, I I had planned to retire I mean I was 36 then and um, but I what was it I, I was sitting in my office one day I was working in Motherwell at the time and I got I got a phone call from Sean Sweeney and he said to me um, are you seriously going, not going to Play next season. I said, nah, I just I've had enough. I said, you know, I've had a good career. I'll go out and go in the high. Ah, uh, oh, we Dodie wants to talk to Alan McDonald, and I was like, ah, oh, well, sure. Oh, come on, you know, they had a good team then. Uh, I said, right, okay. So I went and met we Dodie for a bit of pasta in Motherwell, <clears throat> and he had his training gear and that on. He said, okay, I want you for a year. Blah blah. I want to try and get you some goals and and you know get promoted and you know you do a job. I said, well, what's the deal? He said, I, I don't talk all that stuff. He says, go and phone George, George Pete, um, who was the chairman at the time. But I'd been tipped to wink, because Big Sean and, and Harvard went as well to Airdrie, and they'd all said, yeah. I said, what should you ask for, Sean? <laughs> he says, well, they've just sold a stadium, they've got money. <laughs> you know, they sold Broomfield, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, so I was like, all oh, right, okay. So George Pete said, you never say this to a professional. He said, how much you want? <laughs> Blank check. <laughs> he said, that's what he said to me. And I was like, oh, right. So I'm not going to name any figures, but I basically said, right, uh, I named a figure. And he says, oh, 
and I said, and you'll pay the tax as well on it. And he went, oh, <laughs> so it's not, I didn't say tax free. I said, you pay the tax on it. So eventually we shoot, it was only for a year's contract, but um, uh, it didn't turn out great because, uh, I, I mean, being Big George was a great lad. I used to have a laugh and a joke with him, but um, he was an administrator um, for the SFA, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Uh, now, when he signed me, we got to the playoffs that year with uh, against Hibs. It was a two-legged playoff, and um, first leg was at Easter Road, and I, I'd played maybe eleven or twelve games for the start. I think I scored about nine or ten goals, which was a good ratio. Um, so I'm sitting in the dressing room. Alec McDonald comes in, names the team. And the two subs, and I'm, I'm not even uh, three subs. I says I'm not even in the fourteen. And the boys are looking at me, going, "What have you done? What have you said to him?" I've not done anything. So I watched the game for up in the stand with a few other guys that hadn't been picked, and we lost one nil um, the first leg. So the replay, the second leg, sorry, was down at uh, Broadwood, where we were playing at the time in the dressing room again and uh, we'd all the names of the team some of the boys would be saying oh, you'll be in the night by more, we need to go we need to go for somewhere alright, okay, still not on the 14 I was like, I was absolutely gutted, but Alex said to him come here Kenny, I want to talk to you, so I went down to his office and he said uh, he says Kenny, I, there's nothing I could do I couldn't play you he says because the chairman who was George Peter at the time only signed you for the season and not for anything after, which included yeah. playoffs. Oh. So there you go. That's why I couldn't play in any of the any of the two the two legs. And for some day, you know, high up the tree and to, to, and, and basically they signed me to try and get them promoted, you know. <laughs> so that was that that was that was the end of my early, it was only a year's contract I had. I thoroughly enjoyed my time. It was uh, we do they, we, another great manager. Great lad, great spirit, um, and I still I still keep in touch with a few of the guys, you know, Alan Lawrence and uh, Big John Martin, Paul Jack via Facebook and all that. So, um, yeah, so we missed out because uh, I think we lost. Um, the lost. We went one. I think we went one nine up or two one up, and who the manager it. Hibs at the time, but they brought Darren Jackson. Jim Duffy. Was it, was it Jim Duffy, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he brought Darren Jackson on. He was in the bench and Darren scored a hat-trick. And that was it. Curtains. And we lost 4-2. Um, so, yeah, that was me. That was me, again, officially retired, 37. And then <laughs> in my office again, I got a phone call. Hey, if you're around Alexander, <laughs> he's, well, you're too young to retire. No, I'm like, um, he said, "Come down and speak to." So I went down and offered me a two-year contract down at Queens. Um, and again, a great time there. Got to the final of the Challenge Cup. Unfortunately, we lost it um, to Falkirk. Uh, but really admired Rowan. Similar player to me, you know, really strong, good in the air, good striker, scored goals. And, and I did like his methods. Um, his, his coaching was good. 
um, and he treated all the all the boys with respect, and he tried to bring a lot of the young players on. And unfortunately, results didn't go his way. And I think uh, he, you know, he, he moved on. And then the chairman came to, who was a fantastic little guy called Norman Blunt. Um, he said to George and I, George Rowe, Ginger George, um, to look after the team matters. Um, for the game, and funny, I don't know why, but our game was on a Sunday at East Fife. Um, that was the next game. We were sitting second, bottom of the league, um, miles away from you know serious trouble, of, you know relegation. So George and I <coughs> went to uh, New Bayview, the new East Fife, and uh, this Sunday, and we picked we picked a team which was uh, I never played. I sat out. Um, we picked a team. Some of the young boys I thought, you know, let's stick him in, stick him in. Made a few changes and we won one nothing. Um, so that was a good start. Anyway, we we started to introduce other players, um, and we went on a run. There was 13 games of the season to go, and we won 11. We lost one and we drew one, and we finished fourth. Um, so that was a good experience. Um, and at the same time, we brought on uh, players who weren't even getting a game. Um, I persuaded the chairman to get Paul Harvey from Wraith. He wasn't playing Wraith Rovers at the time. He was on, a full, he was on full-time money, which was quite big, because Wraith had invested really, really heavily. And uh, I said, no, we need to get him, we need to get him. He'll get us promoted. So, same Paul Harvey. Um we then had a guy, you probably know him, Jimmy McAllister, was at Pataudry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lally. Jimmy. Lally as well. I was just going to say, David Lally and Jamie, both of them, they weren't getting a game. Brown wouldn't play them for some reason, I don't know. But we put Jamie at left back. Jamie was playing for the forward for the reserves. No, he's a good left back. Put him there, David Lally on the right. What happens? They lost both of them to Aberdeen for 100 grand each. We sold half to Motherwell for 40 grand. And Derek Townsley like Hibbs. For eighty grand, so I mean, George and I pulled in about three hundred and fifty grand for four players. Um, but I mean, clubs like that, you've got to balance the books. But unfortunately, it left for the following season, it left is really short. We lost with goal David Matheson, who was the Scottish under twenty one internationalist. He had a cruise So you've lost your goalkeeper, your two fullbacks, <coughs> and two midfielders. I mean, you can't compete at the same level with losing all these guys. <coughs> And we didn't have the money to go and buy players, so it went a wee bit. It went a wee bit. Pete Tong um, the next year, and then we actually managed to survive because I think Hamilton defaulted that year. But, you know, they didn't turn up for a game or something. They got deducted so many points, and we scraped through this kind of. Um, and then Norman Blunt, uh, the chairman at the time, he um, he came to George and I and said, "Look, I'm." I'm going to step down, um, and the new chairman is going to be a, a wee guy called Ronnie Bradford. And I never, uh, I don't think Ronnie liked me either, but I didn't really like Ronnie. And and that was it. Um, I was told that I was surplus, and uh, he went and got John Connolly, you know, ex Everton, St Johnston. And John took over Queens, but that so that was me. That was me finished. Um, I was. 
didn't know what to do after that. I, I didn't really want to get into coaching side because I knew that, you know, I'd be going back in my laurels about going through the lag system. So I never, I never pursued any badges. Uh, got another couple of questions um, from yes. folks that we've, we've spoken to. So I've got a Morton fan who said that he absolutely hates you because you seem to always score against him. <laughs> um, um, I, as well, especially the members of last season when you were at Clyde Bank and you scored a goal where two defenders bumped into each other, you ran <laughs> and through and scored, and he says that cost them promotion. <laughs> oh, is, is I can't remember that. I do remember. I remember Capolo was never one of my, my favourite grounds. Um, I, I, I very rarely scored uh, early in my career. Um, after the, I think the Partick Thistle game in 91 was the last game of the season then, uh, and I scored four. We went to Morton, I think it was the first game in the following season, and we, we beat Partick 7-1. We beat Morton 7-1 at Capolo. And that's, I think that was one of the first games I ever scored. I, I scored three. So I had seven in two games and two 7-1 wins. <laughs> but I remember scoring that many more at Capolo. I scored a lot against Morton at, at Kilbowie. I know that. But no, I mean, I, again, I, you know, Morton were one of these, because I was a St. Mun fan, you know. That's why he hates me, because he knows I'm a St. Mun fan. I, well, I don't know I don't know how you do that, but I think uh, I, I'd imagine you would have got a fair bit of pain anyway when you went to Capolo. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. We've, got, yeah. we've got something else to bring up to you that see if you remember or who might have told us this story okay <laughs> um, so we've asked you about Tiger Woods the Playstation and a night on the drink where you fancy yourself as a bit of a gambler see that again Tiger Woods see, give me the options again so there was a night where you Tiger Woods on the Playstation you fancied just, you'd been playing that wee bit you fancied yourself a bit of a gambler, so you? you invited some pals round. Uh-huh. And someone basically took the contents of your wallet. I think you get, as the night went on, you get too drunk to play it. When was that? <laughs> it's from one of the, the guys that asked the que- question earlier. Shabonia. Shabonia? Was it him? Was it Big Scott? <laughs> Aye. Was he playing with me? I said that you'd you were you'd been playing Tiger Woods in the the PlayStation. You could uh, you fancied yourself as a, a bit of a gambler, and you got a few mates around. <laughs> and he, That's right, yeah, yeah. I knew, oh God, that's years and years ago. That's donkeys ago. So he won some money team. off you. And he bought some new boots, shinies, and gloves, but he said it didn't do much good. <laughs> uh, sorry, my wee pals came to see me. Can you see him? <laughs> you alright? Who's that? Say hello to John and John. Yeah. It's two, two John. It's two John. Hello. Say hello. <laughs> Say hi. 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 Good good signal. I'll log along, okay? Uh, That's yeah. a podcast first happened there where the guest daughters come and speak to us both. I definitely I. <laughs> uh, can't get rid of them. Doing my nut in this whole schooling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've talked a, a bit about, um, you know, having a few beers. What's your favourite beers? Hang on a minute, I'll just shut this door. Okay. What was that? Favourite beer or wine? Um, 
I'm drinking a white wine at the moment. Uh, it's called uh, the Winking Owl. You get it over here. It's relabeled, but um, it's called the Barefoot back home. All right, okay. Um, yeah, I've seen you, that. You know, it's a, it's a Pinot Grigio white, but uh, it's labelled back home at uh, about seven quid on the Barefoot. Yep. But you can get it here for two seventy dollars, <laughs> and it That's tastes the same. That'll do me fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of the I'm not a big fan of the American beers. Um, Budweiser's a bit gassy. Uh, they don't have a they don't have a big selection on you know beer beer uh, as in brown beer. Ah, but you need to go just now. Um, but uh, I do like a Guinness. You can get it. Certain places here, not a lot, but it's really expensive. Um, but yeah, I would say white wine and a Guinness when I want one. What's the best uh, dressing room pranks that you've um, been involved in or um, partaken in? The best what? The best pranks that you've been involved in or um, put on others. Best pranks? Oh, <laughs> that's a hard one. I don't know. Uh, no, it's not spicy, to find. <laughs> nothing you can tell us. Nothing that's clean to tell us. <laughs> no, you want to dig it up, are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there, there is there is one story I'll tell you. Um, when I was at Clay Bank, um, I I was staying at Dundee at the time. And Brody Ferry, and uh, I remember being at training on. Uh, it's not a prank, but it's just a story. Uh, we were at training in Kilbowie on the Thursday night, and it was lashing down, and the park was like six inches of water on it, right? So Jack Steedman said after training, looks like it might be off, but phone in on Saturday. So goes away back to Dundee, and I knew all my mates went to the snooker on a Friday night. I sometimes I went with them, had a game of snooker, but they were all maybe six, seven, eight pints, and I, I would never have a drink on a Friday night, ever. So, I guess the snooker, the boys are there, right, you want a drink? I said, yeah, get us a pint. I says, your game's off tomorrow, definitely. I have to phone in the morning, but I'll be off. So, I don't know, must have had about eight pint. Went home, wakes up, head like a box of rockets, goes and phones Jack Steedman. Jack, it's Kenny. Game off, yeah? No, don't be silly. What a lovely drying wind we had here at Clydebank <laughs> yesterday. And today, the park's perfect. See you at one o'clock. I put the phone down. I was like, really? So I gets in the car, drives to Dundee all the way down to Clydebank, gets into the dressing room, and Jimmy Fallon, he was the manager at the time, I was getting dressed next to Tommy Bryce and Chick Chandler. Right? And Jimmy comes over to do a wee, you know, pep talk, blah, 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 and he's like, ah, you bastards, were you out last night? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Everybody was out last night. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole team were out. We were playing fourth for at home, right? Goes out. I couldn't kick my ass. I couldn't even run. I was I was sweating buckets, right? Check, blutered. Hat trick, one three nothing. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> I've never ever been out on a Friday again. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the only other question. And you go, sorry. 
Uh, you spoke there about Jim Fallon. Was one of your highlights getting inducted into the Clydebank Hall of Fame along with him, uh, Jim yes. Fallon and David Cooper? It was, yeah. Um, it came, came out of the blue because I didn't know they were doing it. Um, but my wife will kill me because it was on a night. I was at a wedding, actually, in Troon Hydro. Um, it was one of my wife's uh, best pals. And uh, it was the same night as the presentation. So um, I went to the wedding, but I, I couldn't have a drink or nothing like that because I knew I had to drive. Managed to have the first course um, at the wedding. And then... I politely said, you know, I need to go and try to sneak away out of the wedding <laughs> to get in the car, you know, people looking at, you know, where's he going? He was going to the toilet. So I did sneak <laughs> went down and and I met um I met a few of the lads. I met Jim talked to Jimmy Given for a while. Faldo, big gal. And uh, I seen the thing I seen the thing recently on on YouTube with my blonde hair that I dyed. <laughs> did you have you never seen it? No. <laughs> I had obviously got asked to say a few words, and um, so yeah, it was a it was a, a great honour. I was chuffed bits, chuffed bits to be named, and you know with Gal and Coop, and there's a lot more guys been inducted since. But equally as good, you know, Mickey Larnock, I think, has been and another great goal scorer, um, and a few other lads. So yeah, yeah, very good. I'll not get invited to the Falkirk one. What did you think when the, the club went into a bit of a decline and then obviously um, were effectively bought over um, by Conversion Euro Club? I hated it. I hated it because... Um, I, I'm friendly with a, a guy um, that runs a lot of the stuff in Clydebank and he puts a lot of these old posts on, you know, when the John Hall was interesting, taking to Ireland and all this. And I hate I, I hate reading about it. And I look at the amount of players that went through Clydebank. He must have been signing a new player every week, you know, that it came for the Premier League or that. But it's, it was just, I, these are the horrible days. I try not to think about them. I mean, I was at Airdrie at the time and we played against Clydebank. I get lambasted by the Clydebank fans. Because I had said I was going to retire. It wasn't my fault that Ali McDonald took me out of retirement. You know, um, if, you know, if somebody had offered me another contract at Clay Bank, I might, have, I might have said yes. But I thought it was a good way to go after my testimonial. You know, I had been there for nearly nine, ten years. Uh, finished on a high last ever game there against Rangers. That to me was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have got any higher than the Clay Bank. In my Clay Bank career, so uh, and then I get the chance to get Airdrie, and then I hear, hear all this talk. Uh, Edie, you're a you're a what was it, a Judas? And yeah, I was like, really. <laughs> um, I think a lot of them are forgiving me now because I get a lot of good I get a lot of uh, good comments from the guys, you know, uh, from Clay Bank, and I'm sort of, you know. Quite friendly with some of the you know the committee members now and the chair chairperson chairwoman uh, Grace McGibbon doing a fantastic job got a new stadium down at Home Park um, and I've always said you know if I ever get the chance to come home I'll certainly come to one of the games so but no that old stuff you know when they were you know they were going to Airdrie to share they were going there to went to Morton for a while they went to Boghead uh, I think they shared every ground in Scotland. It must have been horrible because you'd nowhere to go, you know, no training facilities or anything. So, 
but no, these are the days, you know, from from when I finished until the recent stuff I'm seeing, I'm quite happy to see that, the progression, and hopefully they'll get, you know, they've got their junior status, but hopefully they'll, they'll pursue maybe another, you know, direction to try and get back into the seniors, which would be great. Yeah, well, the, the West of Scotland League's been set up now, so they're going to be in it that seat as of whenever oh, that season starts. Yeah. All right, good. Um, so. yeah, I think that's their, their main aim, because uh, I've seen you know, some of the crowds at the games they get. Fantastic. Um, nice nice park. It's not finished yet, but it's it's certainly um, progressing. Changed their manager, you know. I think Kieran Maganeski did a fair job when he was there. Yep. Budgie, Budgie mm-hmm. Borum did, you know, miracles. And then Aye, been, yeah. I follow the juniors, so I've seen them play a few times over the, the last 10 years or so uh-huh. against Talbot. Yeah. They seem to always have good strikers. There's a, another guy banging them in just now as well. Nicky Little, midfielder, Nicky, I think. That's Nicky Little, that's a guy, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, onwards and upwards. But, you know, from. That bit in between, I try. I, I, I just don't want to. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of your career, who would you say was your toughest opponent? I got asked this recently. Um, I said Richard Goff. Um, played against him a few times. Richard was just a, and I'm a friend of Richard's. He was just so professional. Even though he was my friend, he would still, oh, mm. you, you couldn't get by him. Um, who else? Let me think. Uh, well, obviously played against Butcher a few times when he was at Rangers. Um, no, it's, it's a lot of maybe guys that you that, that people don't don't remember. I remember a guy called Paul Martin that used to play with Dumbarton, um, ex Kelly, big ginger lad. Yeah, yeah. Remember him, big Paul Martin. I hated playing against them. Because he's always over the top of me. He was always touching me, you know, with his hands. I don't mean that in a bad way, but he was always pulling <laughs> the shirt or nipping me or squeezing me or giving me the fly kick in the, you know, in the calves and things. And I couldn't get away from him. <laughs> I did score a few goals against him, but I just hated playing against him. He was just a horrible big, nice guy, but a horrible big player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that, I mean, Richie Goff, he was just uh, very, very professional. The other John asked you about favourite beer, and obviously you don't get many good ones in America. I don't know whether it's the same with pies. But obviously oh, football, no, what's your favourite pie? I'm dying for a Scottish pie. <laughs> you can't get them here. There's a lot of things I can't get here. But and it, but if you do, you pay through the nose for it. You know, Moshe, I bought like HP sauces. So it'll be five dollars. Five dollars, eh? Yeah. That'll make up. Just buy that when you buy the wine, and then it'll feel like it balances <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. well, I found a shop that does. You know, I mean, most of the a lot of the food here is rubbish. I hate it. Um, I mean, I think that's why so many Americans go out and eat because it's probably cheaper to eat out than it is to go to the supermarket and buy stuff. Because the cost of living here is so expensive. You know, yeah. a gallon of milk. They call it a gallon here. It's uh, five and a half dollars. You know, you can uh, what other stuff? Loaf of bread. It's about four quid. <laughs> it's not cheap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that I miss 
I miss a lawn sausage. Lawn sausage. Oh yeah, the caught lawn and Dundee square sausage. Oh yeah, and a well-fired roll. Oh yeah, I. What about a well-fired roll? What else do I miss? I don't miss chippies because I never really ate much of them. Um, nice Indian curry. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. I like a good. Brew. But you can get that. You. It's about four dollars a can. <laughs> it's it's obviously all the imported stuff and they they whack the tax on it and all that and it's yeah. it is really expensive. You know that what was it? My wife wanted to. I was going going to this shop and she's getting me a bottle of that Robinsons. You know the diluting orange. You can't get diluting orange here. They don't do it. No, they don't do it. But obviously they've got the the Robinsons one, the orange one with no sugar in it. It was five dollars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the stuff the stuff that's imported is very expensive. But I think that's that's why they go always go out and eat because you can eat out cheaper here than you can. Not at the moment because the restaurants are shut. But mm-hmm. um, if you go, uh, there are a lot of nice restaurants, a lot of junk as well. But there are some nice restaurants you can go, family or four, and sit down. It'd be a hell of a lot cheaper than what it would be if you were to get all the ingredients and make something. Yeah. Wow. I think um uh, yes um last last, yeah the last last question but might take you the longest answer um from your playing (laughs) career um name your best eleven. Oh right I did it recently. Oh no it wasn't eleven. Um let me think. The goal is a very very difficult one. Play with so many good goalkeepers. Um, let, let me leave him out just now. Um, right back. Oh, let's go. What do you want? A four-four-two. Whatever you want. You're the manager. Let me see. And you can pick yourself. Four, I can pick myself. Four-four-two. Uh, let me see. This might take a while. Uh, right back. It's either got to be Mark Trainer or a guy called Davy Watt that played at Breakin. Do you remember Davy Watt? No. I don't remember Davy Watt. I remember Mark Trainer. He played with St Johnson, didn't he? Yeah, he did, Mark. Yeah, Mark was a great leader, great captain. Um, let me see. I'll go for Trainer. Do you want a Clyde Bang 11 or is it all the clubs I've played for? All the clubs you played for. Oh, my God. Let's go. Leave a goal there now. Go Trainer. Um, Ginger George is going to be raging if I don't pick him, isn't he? <laughs> uh, back. Jesus Christ. He does this to everyone, don't worry, it's not just you. He likes yeah. to make it difficult. Yeah. I'd have thought uh, if you'd listened to Willa Gardner one, you'd have known this was coming, but. <laughs> well, that, let me see. Right. Go and stick a couple of midfield. Paul Harvey. We're going to, we're go, we'll go with a. F- Four across the middle, right? Paul Harvey just inside, right? And then I'm going to go with Tommy Bryce next to him. Uh, uh, uh. And I'm going to be Coop left. Okay. Strikers. 
two up top. <laughs> God, this is so hard. <laughs> I wish you'd give, I wish you'd give me some time thinking about this. I'm just yeah. trolling back through the clubs that I played with. Honey coil. That shouldn't be a hard one. I'm not going to pick myself. I'll pick somebody else. Raw. Uh, uh, Stevie Marlin. Stevie Marlin, Talbot legend. Stevie Marlin. And him and own coil up front if I don't pick myself, right? Centre backs. This is another difficult one. God. Let's go Jamie McAllister, left back. Two centre backs, Jesus. You've had a few, like say, Sean oh, Sweeney and McIntosh. Martin McIntosh, nah. Martin was a good player. Sean was good, but Sean wasn't quick enough. Uh, I hope he's not listening. He lives in... Um, Dubai or uh, United Arab Emirates now, whatever. I can't remember where it is. Mm-hmm. No, that is Dubai, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but there's... I mean, the, the two that's bringing me the clay back, Stuart Old and John Marr. John Marr was just one of the fastest guys I've ever played with. Um, but he wasn't the cleverest. So if, if you're talking... You're wanting best players... So you've got the front two, you've got the midfield three, haven't you? You've got Coop, Tommy Bryce. And Paul Harvey. Right. Centre backs are easier. I forgot. I'm going to go Derek McDickin and Paul Clark for Kilmarnock. So you've got another midfielder and a goalkeeper to find. Yeah, I've got a right-sided midfielder. It's either going to, no, I'm actually going to shift I'm going to shift. I'm going to put half right, <clears throat> half right, and then the middle two are going to be Davy Irons and Tommy Bryce. Mm. Okay. Irons is a good player. Davy Irons is a great player. So that's a midfield, midfield. I mean, I could, I could have put Charlie out in the left, but Coop obviously is just Coop. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of good left wingers. Gary Teal used to, you know. Well, sometimes he played right, but Gary Bowman played left. Um, let me think. So a goalie. I, I had this other, other day. Gal was a stalwart. Um, Gordon Marshall at Falkirk. Um, and then I had Big John Martin, Airdrie. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to Queen's, uh, John Hillco and David Matheson, who was a Scottish under 21 in Arsenal. So. It's very, I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going to go for Joe Martin. <clears throat> Joe Martin. Mm. Yeah, a cult hero from the 90s. Wait, wait, wait. Gal, a close. Gal, close. Mm-hmm. In fact, put them both in. <laughs> 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 uh, you want subs? No. <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll let you off the hook with that one. <laughs> so that's my all time 11. So we're going to go. 
Martin, Trainer, McDickin, Clark, McAllister. Harvey, Irons, Bryce, Cooper, Coyle, and Marlon. Yeah. Tell George Rowe he's on the bench. Tough <laughs> <laughs> choice. Tough choice keeper. <laughs> and Scott Dow, Scott Dow was his eighth choice goalie. <laughs> 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 oh, Is he polishing your bits? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some boy, so he is. <laughs> some bunny. <laughs> he, used oh, is... he used to have cooking oil on his gloves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's so brilliant. Um, listen, thank you very much for your time, Ken. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but it's. it's fun, yeah. to... <laughs> I've enjoyed it. You'll need to cut out all the sweary bits. <laughs> oh, no, it's unedited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I had a fabulous career. And, uh, you know, I still, I still look... Um, I've got lots of photographs and albums, and you pick out one, you go, God's sake, how many years ago was that? Great career. Loved it. No regrets. And, uh, no, pleasure. Thanks, lads. <clears throat> but I went hearing all those stories. Yeah. I've got a lot more. <laughs> we'll get you on again. We'll get you on again. Yeah. Oh, God, that was great. Yeah, fantastic. Well, well, thanks very much. Well, well, stay safe, okay? You too. Yeah. Enjoy the, yeah. Enjoy the weather too. over there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll send you some Scotch pies. Oh, Scotch pie. No, I just get Oh, you can't send meat. They're not allowed. You're not allowed to bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm not checking it just now. <laughs> What's that? Don't be checking it just now. They've got a oh, I know. I, I'm not checking anybody just now. <laughs> <laughs> I, ju- I just remember, don't inject yourself with bleach. If you're using bleach, just um, use it in the toilet or on your hair. <laughs> well, I'm going to try and get one of these, you know, these uh, Darth Vader torch lights and put it down my throat. He said, if you put, <laughs> if you put a light down your, your stomach, I said, what is this guy on? <laughs> no, he's, he's denying it this morning. He's denying he said it. It's like, Is he? Yeah. He's like, yeah. What do you think, Deborah? You know that Bucks woman. What do you think, Deborah? Could be, could be, could be some sort of de- injection, something like that. You want to see her face? She just looks away. <laughs> oh, I think what, see, if he goes up to New York, someday will JFK him. Tell you, he will. <laughs> he'll get, he'll get JFK because they hit him up there. <clears throat> he's no chance of getting back in no chance let's hope not yeah <laughs> okay guys thank oh, you cheers Ken right, yeah, cheers Ken hey, pleasure bye, bye. 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 <laughs>